began reading with verse number 1. The Bible says, And again he entered Capernaum after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. Immediately many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door. And he preached the word to them. Then they came to him bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. And some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, Why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned thus within themselves, he said to them, Why do you reason about these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven you, or to say, Arise, take up your bed, and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, Arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. Immediately he arose, took up the bed, and went out in the presence of them all. So that all were amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw anything like this. Would you look at verse number 1 again for uh, our text today. It says that again he, he entered Capernaum after some days. And I want you to notice this phrase, And it was heard that he was in the house. And it was heard that he was in the house. Glad to have my mom and dad with me this morning. And I uh, didn't get, give my dad any forewarning, but he's a preacher and ready in season and out of season. And I wanted him to pray over the message this morning, please. Father, we love you. We're so grateful for the privilege to be your sons and to be your daughters. We pray this morning, Lord, a special blessing upon this message as it goes forth that will touch hearts and lives and strengthen and encourage each and every one, Lord, so we know once again that you still heal, you still deliver, you still save in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated this morning. What a difference it makes when Jesus is in the house. I said, what a difference it makes when Jesus is in the house. How many understand this morning that it is no longer business as usual when Jesus is in the house? How many understand that the spirit of the house cannot be passive and nonchalant if Jesus is in the house? I want you to notice our text, and it was heard that he was in the house. You see, it's no big deal that Peter, James, and John are there. Read the passage. Nothing is said about them being there. Nobody is saying, hey, Peter and James and John are in the house. Nothing is said about that. Oh, but it was said of Jesus. He is in the house. Let me tell you something this morning, church. We are not going to impress anybody with our programs, our promotions, or our productions. Every church has these. But you let it get out that Jesus is in the house. 
I said, let it be heard that Jesus is in the house. And we're not going to be able to build a building big enough to house all the people. Verse 1, and it was heard that he was in the house. Now from this passage, I find no less than six things that are present when Jesus is in the house. Let me suggest, first of all, people. People are present. Verse 2, immediately. Verse 1 says that it was heard that Jesus was in the house. Verse 2 says immediately. Say immediately. Immediately Immediately many gather together so that there's no longer room to receive them, not even near the door. You may say, Pastor, what is the secret to church growth? I believe simply get Jesus to show up. I said the secret to church growth this morning is to get Jesus to show up. To show up, you see, when word gets out that Jesus is in the house, people will come from everywhere. Now, Holiday Inn says that there are three requirements for success in business. Location, location, location. Well, I say there are three requirements for success in the local church, and it is Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. How many churches do you know that use the excuse for being small and and for not growing? Oh, oh, they say we have a bad location. The reason why we're not growing, the reason why we are small is because we're behind the tracks. or We're in the wrong part of town or or, or we're we're invisible. It's because we have a bad location. Well, I want you to notice the verse preceding chapter number 2. Maybe we never read that one. Notice the verse preceding chapter 2, and that's Mark chapter 1 and verse 45. It says that Jesus could no longer openly enter the city, but was outside in deserted places. He was where? Outside in deserted places. Notice, notice what it says next. And they came to him from every direction. He was, he was outside of the city. He was in, oh, in the wrong part of the town. He was in a deserted place. But the Bible said that they came from him from every direction. Yes, my friend, Holiday Inn is right. If all you have to offer is a motel room, you better have a pretty good location. And I want to tell you this morning, if all the church has to offer is some well-oiled, slick, religious machine, it better have a good location. But let me tell you this morning that if we can get Jesus to show up in the house, I said if Jesus will show up in the house, amen, I'm telling you that the people will gather. Now, please don't misunderstand me this morning. Please hear everything I'm saying. I'm, I'm not saying that the location of the church is not important. I'm not saying that this morning. I believe that the church should be in the best location possible. Have you ever seen those signs that says, you know, so and so church three blocks south, or those signs, you know, or the signs that says so and so church two blocks north? Let me tell you, the church ought to be sitting where that sign is sitting. Yeah, it shouldn't have a sign there directing you to the church. The church ought to be where that that sign is. I'm not saying the church ought not be in a good location. I'm not saying location is not important this morning. I, I believe that the Lord's church ought to be built in the best possible location that that particular church can afford. But that being said, I also believe that you can build a church in the best possible location in town. But if Jesus doesn't show up there, you don't really have a church. All you've got is some kind of a religious club. 
And I'm afraid, friend, that in many of our churches today, they present everything but what Jesus, or they present everything but what people need, and that is Jesus. How many understand it's still Jesus that they need? All these churches present professional greeters at the door. They present perfect programs on the platform. They present polished performers to preach and pray and praise. Oh, but the people cry out like the Greeks did in John 12 and 21. We would see Jesus. We would see Jesus. Oh, your performance was nice. Oh, your presentation was professional. Oh, oh, your programs are perfected. And listen to me, friend. We ought to do everything with excellence. We ought to do everything the best that we possibly can do. It's all well and good. But I ask you this morning, where is Jesus? Where is Jesus? Amen. We have come to see Jesus. John the Baptist had it figured out, did he? Amen. He said of Jesus, he must increase and I must decrease. I'm telling you this morning, it's not about you and it's not about me this morning, but it's about the Lord Jesus Christ. And we must allow him to increase today and we must be willing to decrease. Well, the Laodicean church in Revelation chapter 3 had forgotten what the main focus was. They were going along, they were having church, they were doing all their programs, they were going through all the motions. No doubt, man, they had the latest and greatest in place, but there was one thing missing, but it wasn't just one thing, it was the main thing. They didn't just have one thing missing, they had the main thing missing, and that was Jesus. Revelation 3 and 20, Jesus said to them, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if anybody will hear my voice and open the door, Jesus said, I will come in. Jesus is standing on the outside of his own church and he's knocking on the door of his own church. His own people have locked him out of his own church. Oh, I know we use this scripture for salvation. The Lord is knocking on our heart's door and that works for that and it's good. But that's not in context. Amen. In context, Jesus is literally outside of his own church and he's knocking on the door and they're having church on the inside and Jesus is on the outside and they're having their program and they're having their ritual and they're going through their motions and Jesus ain't even there and nobody even knows it. And Jesus stands out on the outside of his own door and he knocks and he knocks and he knocks. And he says, hey, hey, if you'll open the door, I'll come in. <sighs> Listen, friends, it's not our church, it's his church. I said, it's not our church, it's his church. Oh, God, help us to never get so caught up in trying to do church and trying to perfect church. Amen. Making church about our own personal preference. Making it so much that way that we don't even notice that Jesus is not even here. We've locked him out of his own church through our program and our procedure and our personal preference. Notice verse 1 again. Oh, it was heard that he was in the house. He was in the house. Friend, the people were not drawn to a program. They were not drawn to a performance. They were not drawn to a place. They were drawn to a person. The Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, we ought to have a program. Yes, we ought to do the best we can with what we have. Yes, 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 we ought to be particular about the place. And it ought to be nice and good and up to date and all of those things. But let me tell you, it's not about any of those things at all. It's about Jesus. What is noticeably present when Jesus is in the house, first of all, you'll find people. 
Second thing you'll find if Jesus is in the house, there'll be preaching. Preaching. Verse 2. And he preached the word to them. Friend, when Jesus is in the house, his word will be preached. I'm afraid we've lost something in the modern church. And that is a true love for anointed Bible-based preaching. And as a result, we are producing biblical illiterates today. Sunday school teacher of a little Sunday school class quizzed their students uh, to see how much they knew about the Bible. And here's some of the things her students said. One little boy said that Noah's wife was called Joan of Arc. (laughs) Another little guy says... Uh, That Lot's wife was a pillar of salt by day and a ball of fire by night. (laughs) Another child said that the Bible says that, that Christians should only have one wife. And it's called monotony. And still another child said that one of the Ten Commandments was, Thou shalt not admit Adultery. (laughs) Let me tell you something, friend. True Bible preaching is thought to be outdated by some today. The problem is, is 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and 21. That's, That's my problem. And it says that God chose the foolishness of preaching to save the lost. He he chose what? The foolishness of preaching. Who chose the foolishness of preaching to save the lost? God did. Let me, let me tell you something this morning. As long as I am the lead pastor of New Bethel, there will always be time taking, taking in the service for the preaching and the teaching of the Word of the living God. Hear me this morning. I am open to the latest and the greatest methods and methodology and ministry. But let me tell you, there will always be anointed preaching and teaching because when Jesus is in the house, His Word will be declared. When Jesus is in the house, the Word of God will be preached. That was weak, but I'll take it. Verse 2, and he preached the word to them. Let me tell you something, friend. What the church really needs today is not another program. God help us. What the church really needs today is not another slogan. What the church really needs today is not another cool logo. And let me tell you, it certainly doesn't need another bylaw. What the church really needs today is for its pastor to hide himself away with God and come out with a fresh word from the Lord. What the the church of the Lord Jesus Christ needs today is a man of God that will get down upon his face before God and he'll seek God and he'll listen to God and he'll come on Sunday morning. Amen. And he'll be on fire with the word of the Lord. The anointing will be upon him and he'll stand and he will declare, Thus saith the word of the Lord. God, give us a man of God today that will hide himself away with God and get a word from God and deliver it to His people. I'm not talking about style. I'm talking about substance. Amen? You can foam at the mouth like I do or you can just be 
You know, just really, really nice and soft and quiet. I'm not talking about delivery. I'm not talking about style this morning. Amen. Anointing is not the volume. Anointing is not how much the preacher sweats and how far he spits. Amen. But the anointing is kind of like that black man. Somebody asked him what the anointing is. He said, I don't really know what it is, but I sure know when it ain't. Amen. I can't really tell you what it is this morning, but I can also tell you when it ain't. And God give us a man of God today. No matter what his style, no matter what his delivery, no matter whether he yells and spits and foams at the mouth or he stands very dignified behind the pulpit but God give us a man of God today that will get a word from God and stand and share it with the people of God I know I was born too early I'm sorry amen when Jesus is in the house the third thing you're going to find is partnership partnership verse 5 says when Jesus saw Their faith. Say their faith. Partnership. When Jesus is in the house, there'll be partnership. Jesus saw their faith. The paralytic was healed by Jesus because of the partnership between the paralytic and the four friends that carried him to where Jesus was. When Jesus is in the house, you're going to find partnership. When Jesus is in the house, you're going to find unity. When Jesus is no longer the main focus in the church, when the church forgets about what the main focus and main main ministry of the church is and instead starts focusing on personal preference, friend, when this happens, partnership is dissolved. When this happens, unity is lost. When this happens, all the church stops functioning at the level it needs to function at in order to be effective. The partnership of these four men, as they came together and Each took a corner of responsibility. Each man carrying their share of the load. Each man doing their part in the partnership. And because of their partnership, a lame man was healed. Because of their partnership, a lame man, amen, was saved. But listen, friend, the reason why this partnership was formed in the first place was because Jesus was in the house. When Jesus is in the house, there will not be division. I said, when Jesus is in the house, there won't be division. When Jesus is in the house, there won't be a lot of fussing and fighting, people pouting because they're not getting their way. When Jesus is in the house, everybody join hands. When Jesus is in the house, everybody takes their corner of responsibility. When Jesus is in the house, everybody picks up their share of the load and carries it. And friends, sometimes you are carrying somebody else and sometimes you are on the stretcher and somebody else is carrying you. But either way, it is a partnership. Verse 1, it was heard that he was in the house. Jesus is in the house. There's something else present. And that's power. Verse 11, Jesus said, I say to you, arise, take up your bed and go to your house. Verse 12 says, immediately he arose, took up his bed, went out into the presence of them all, and they all were amazed and glorified God. Friend, when Jesus is in the house, power is available. What did Peter and John say to the lame man in Acts chapter 3? Did they say, in the name of our denomination, rise up and walk? In the name of... 
Dr. George, oh, I think, would. Is that right? General Superintendent of the Assemblies of God. Rise up. And I love Brother Wood, by the way. In the name of Dr. George, oh, Wood, General Superintendent of the Assemblies of God. Rise up and walk. Is that what they said? Isn't that what they said? I know what they, they said in the name of the latest, coolest, most innovative technology. Rise up and walk, man. No. No. They said in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And Acts 3 and 7 says immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And, and he leaped to his feet and he began to walk and he began to leap. And he began to praise God. Listen, this morning there's power in the name of Jesus. Now listen to me this morning. There's room in the church for cool. There's room in the church for cool. But cool is not where the power is. The power is in the name of Jesus. I love the story of Dr. P.C. Nelson in the early years of Pentecost. Had an incredible, unbelievable ministry, much of that a healing ministry. People would come from miles around and stand in his healing line. And every kind of miracle you could mention happened in Dr. P.C. Nelson's meeting. One night a man came to the meeting. He had a severe arthritic condition. And he listened to Dr. Nelson preach. And and then he responded to to the prayer line, the healing line. The man out of his own lips says that he stood there in the healing line. They're suffering with this horrific arthritic condition. And he said he watched Dr. Nelson as he would pray for people. And said he would come by and he would anoint people with oil. And some of them he would shake a little bit. And some of them he would, you know, yell a little bit. And some of them, you know, he would pray for them. And then he'd go pray for somebody else. And then maybe he'd come back to the same one and pray for them again. And, and, and then he'd pray. And then some of them he'd come back the third time and pray for them. And did all kinds of things and spent a lot of time with them. But he said all he did when he came by me is he just said he had this little, this little dab of olive oil on his index finger. And he just, and he just touched it to my forehead. And he just said, Jesus. And he walked on by. He said, I must have stood there for an hour in his prayer line waiting for him to come. Surely he will shake me. Surely he will use some kind of faith formula on me. Surely something will happen and he'll speak. He's not even, he's not even praying for me. What in the world? What in the world is it with this man anyway? Doesn't he understand how far that I have driven? I've driven as far as anybody to this meeting and I've got just as big of a problem as anybody here. And he said he got a little bit angry. He said he went back to his seat and he said he just flopped down in the chair. He said, I'm mad. I'm angry. Man, I've come a long way for this, man, to pray for me. He's praying for all these people, some of them two or three times. And I'm I'm just as sick as anybody here, man. I mean, I can hardly stand. I can hardly move. I can hardly walk. I've been excruciating. I've been in excruciating pain for years now. And all he did was come by me and put a little oil on me and just say, Jesus, walk. He said he sat there and he thought, wait a minute. Wait a minute here. Wait. He said, uh, I flopped down in this chair. 
He said, I hadn't flopped in years. <laughs> he said, I walked back here. I didn't even use my cane. He said, he started moving his arms and moving his, and he started standing up and he sat down and and he sat up and he stood down and, and, and he said he leapt to his feet and he ran all over that, that tent shouting and praising God. Amen. All it was, amen, all that he did was just walk by with a little olive oil on the index finger and say, Jesus. But let me tell you this morning, the power is not in somebody's faith formula. Amen. The power, friend, amen, is not in somebody's special perfected prayer. But the power comes in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm telling you that when Jesus is in the house, when Jesus is in the house, amen, power is there. And I'm telling you this morning that Jesus is in this house. And there's power in this house today. And if you need something from God today, you've come to the right place because Jesus is in this house. Well, give the Lord a shout of praise this morning. Notice something else that is available when Jesus is in the house, and that's pardon. Verse 5, Jesus said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven you. Friend, when Jesus is in the house, sin is exposed. Sin is exposed when Jesus is in the house. When Jesus is in the house, conviction is present. Oh, I know, we're not supposed to talk about sin anymore. We're not talking about conviction anymore. Those are old-fashioned terms. Those are, no, but I'm telling you that if Jesus is in the house, you can have a church without conviction, but Jesus ain't going to be there. You can have a politically correct church, but Jesus ain't showing up. When Jesus is in the house, amen, sin is going to be exposed. Somebody left the church a few months ago and I, 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 I felt bad and I felt good. How can you do that? Well, I felt bad because somebody left the church. I don't like anybody to leave the church. I felt good because they left the church because they couldn't handle the conviction. I don't want anybody to leave the church. Amen. But I'm not going to make it watered down and mamby-pamby to the place where, you know, you can come in and, and it doesn't matter if you're a saint or a sinner, you can, you can feel just as comfortable now. No, I believe that when Jesus is in the house, sin is going to be exposed. When Jesus is in the house, amen, there's going to be conviction of our sin. Well, if Jesus is not in the house, then the sinner and the saint, they look just alike. If Jesus is not in that house, the sinner, amen's right along with a saint. If Jesus ain't in that house, there's no change in behavior. Lifestyles are not altered. If Jesus is not in that house, people can hold hands with the church and hold hands with the world at the same time. But listen to me this morning. When Jesus is in the house, the sinner becomes uncomfortable. When Jesus is in the house, amen, the sinner must either get in or get out. Amen, he must run to Jesus or he's going to run away from Jesus. Notice the last thing that's present when Jesus is in the house. Priority. Priority. Verse 5 through 11. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. And some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. Why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? 
But immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned thus within themselves, he said to them, why do you reason about these things in your hearts? Whether it is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, arise, take up your bed and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. And so he said to the paralytic, I say to you, arise, take up your bed and go to your house. I want you to notice that Jesus dealt with the spiritual condition of the man first. And then the physical. You see, we are so concerned about our physical needs. Healing, finances, circumstances, relationships. We've adopted the philosophy, what have you done for me lately, God? But God is much more interested in our spiritual condition than anything else. Does God care that I'm going through difficulty? Yes. Does God care that I'm hurting in one area or the other? Of course. Is God interested in every single area and aspect of my life? Absolutely. But friend, when Jesus is in the house, the number one priority is our spiritual condition. And hear me this morning, if our spiritual condition is right, it will help us cope with anything and everything else that might be going on in our life. Jesus didn't ignore the man's physical condition in Mark chapter 2, but he understood that this man had a much worse problem than his problem of being paralyzed. The man had a sin problem. And only after dealing with this man's sin problem, only then did Jesus deal with his problem of paralysis. Hear me this morning, when Jesus is in the house, the priority is spiritual first and physical second. If you're going through difficulty today, I'm... I'm compassionate for you and I'm sorry today. And you're in the right place today because Jesus can help you get through whatever it is you're going through today. But if you have a sin problem, taking care of the sin problem takes priority over any other problem. Pastor Braden, would you come and whoever you have coming with you this morning. Verse 1, and it was heard that he was in the house. It was heard that he was in the house. Notice it was heard. Listen to me. Don't get distracted. Notice it was heard. Somebody told. There's a healer in the house. Somebody told. Jesus is over there. Maybe somebody ran through the city crying, Jesus is at so-and-so's house. Jesus is at so-and-so's. They heard. Somebody told them, Jesus is in the house. Let me ask you this morning, have you told anybody that Jesus is in our house? Have you told anybody that Jesus is in our house? Doesn't matter the pastor's here. Doesn't matter what our program is or isn't. Everybody's got a program. Every church has a program. People don't need to hear about our program. They need to hear that Jesus is in our house. Have you told anybody that Jesus is in our house? I've got some really good news for you today. Jesus is in our house today. 
I said, Jesus is in our house today. Pastor, how do you know? I've got two ways of knowing. The first way of knowing is His promise. Matthew 18 and 20, for where two or three are gathered together in my name. Jesus said, if only two or three will gather together and make me the center of attention. If only two or three will gather together and they're not about their program, they're not about their personal preference, they're not about the place, they're about me. Two or three will gather together and make me their focus, make me the center of attention, Jesus said. I'll be there in the midst of them. So I know He's here today because it's not about me or you or this worship team or this house or our program or our personal preference. We all have them and they're all different. It's about Jesus. So I know since we're focusing on Jesus this morning, He's here. The second way of knowing is, is, is not only His promise but also His presence. Oh, I know He's here today because I brought Him with me. I didn't depend upon you this morning. I brought him with me. Hebrews 13 and 5, Jesus himself said, I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. So I know he's here today because I brought him with The good news is today, Jesus is in this house today. I said, Jesus is in the house. Amen. I said, Jesus is in this house today. I need dynamite to get some of you people to move this morning. I think I'll bring that next Sunday, some dynamite. There's no need this morning that needs to be unmet today. Because Jesus is in his house. It was heard that Jesus was in the house. Every head bowed and every eye closed. The number one priority this morning is our spiritual condition. Our spiritual condition. How is your spiritual condition today? Are you right with God in every area of your life today? Are you saved? Have you been born again? Your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed and nobody is looking about today in this house of worship. If you're not 100% sure that you're ready to meet God and you want that 100% assurance today, if that's you this morning, I want you to lift your hand this morning and I want to pray with you this morning. I believe you can leave here with 100% assurance. God bless you. Thank you. You can put your hand down now. Someone else joined this one this morning. I'm not 100% sure of my Spiritual condition, not 100% sure of my salvation. I want to be 100% sure. Can I see your hand in this house this morning? Anyone else? 
Thank you. God bless you. You can put your hand down. That's two people that have raised their hand today. So is there one more this morning as we wait in God's presence? I'm not 100% sure of my spiritual condition. I'm not 100% sure if I died today, if I would go to heaven or not. I want want 100% assurance today. Can I see your hand? Anyone else? Real quickly. All right, we had two raise their hand. I want you to take a bold step this morning and walk down here. We've all done it. Everybody's going to be excited that you've done it. Don't be embarrassed. Jesus said if we're...